0: Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and other experts in the food and beverage industry about everything from emerging trends to regulatory pressures to marketing strategies. In the past few years, Americans' growing demand for protein and desire for on-the-go food opened the door for meat jerky to reposition itself as a healthy, convenient snack. Americans were so smitten with jerky that they quickly fell head over heels for all types of meat snacks, including meat sticks, bars, and recently even pork rinds. With sales of meat snacks surging, data monitor consumer data predicts the category in the U.S. could climb as high as $1.2 billion by 2018. That's an 18.6% increase from just three years ago. To better understand where the meat snack segment is at, what's driving consumer interest in the category, and where it's headed, I caught up with several meat snack innovators and marketers at Natural Products Expo East in Baltimore late last month. I started with Bart Silvestro, who's the CEO of Chef's Cut Real Jerky, to get a better picture of just how far meat snacks have come and where they're headed.
1: Let's start... Back 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the meat snack segment looks really different than it does today. Completely. How would you describe what's happening today today, to what happened 5 years ago and 20 years ago? Well, 20
2: years ago as well as 5 years ago, the meat snack, the meat snack category was always considered a convenience snack or truck stop snack. And everybody always talked about jerky as, and I hate to categorize it this way, but it was a and a shotgun. And that's all it was. It was you know, There was no... If you walked in a major supermarket 20 years ago, you couldn't find jerky anywhere. You could only find in convenience stores or stuff, as I say. Um, it's progressed slowly, um, and over the years, they've brought innovation and flavor innovation only. Up until about five years ago, maybe a little maybe a little sooner, maybe six, seven years ago, is where they started to bring other proteins in, like turkey, to bring, and now, today, it's pork, there's turkey, there's chicken. There's buffalo meat, um, there's venison in some places. So it, it's evolved in as far as variety of proteins and it's also evolved in, in flavor profile as well as the biggest, uh, to me the biggest involvement of the whole industry and the category itself is flavor profile, tenderness, and quality ingredients. And you know, today's consumers are a lot more, you know, they're much more discerning than they were years ago. They're looking for clean ingredients, better nutritional panel. And they want to know that what they're eating, and they know what they're eating, and it's good for themselves, good for their soul. So, um, and that's what we've done. And you know, I always equate our jerky to um, data entry. As everybody always talks about data entry: garbage in, garbage out. And I always say, if you put, in, you start with inferior products, you get a current jerky product that you'll find in any convenience store, the, the, the leaders of the category. When you start to dig into what we do, we start with the highest quality ingredients, which gives you a much superior product on the back end. We use. USDA grain, uh, grain fed, all US, the USDA certified choice or better, so it's either choice or prime, and it's fresh, never frozen on our beef. On our chicken, we use 100% white meat chicken breast, and our turkey, we use 100% white meat uh, turkey breast, and when we do our bacon skews, we use the finest pork. we was only, only being able to source from two suppliers today in the U.S. Everything is U.S., everything is born and raised here, slaughtered here. Nothing from overseas, you turn over anybody else's, Cherokee that you read the back, it says could be sourced in Argentina, South America, um, New Zealand, and everything's, you know, obviously at that point is fresh, which makes it tougher, you lose flavor. All is fresh, never frozen. It, it's harder for us from a uh, from procurement and supply chain standpoint because we have to stay, you know, close to what we're buying and as we buy it, we have to use it immediately. You know, you buy fresh meat, three or four days in the refrigerator, max, before you have to cook it off. And then once you cook it off and bag it, you get your your shelf life. So, we start with the finest quality ingredients today, and that's what you see different in the category. Marinate it, slice it by hand, marinate it for up to 24 hours, and then hand screen it and cook it in a slow cook smoker versus everybody else dehydrating their meat. So we smoke it, you get a much tender piece of beef at the end or a tender piece of chicken. It's much different than what people were used to five or ten years ago.
1: What else do you think is driving consumer interest in meat snacks as a whole?
2: People are familiar with meat. Um, everyone, you know, the majority of the population eats meat today, and they, they, I think, they associate eating the meat snack with having a piece of meat at a meal. It's sustainable. It holds them over. They're not grabbing a bag of chips and eating a bag of chips and eating all that sodium, and all that fat, and an hour later being hungry. Here, they're able to pick up a lean protein, high in protein, low in fat, low in calories. It's good for their diet.
1: We started our conversation looking backwards at the change that's happened just in five years. Let's look forward. What do you see happening for meat snacks as a whole and then chef's cut?
2: Or meat snacks in the whole, I think we've seen an revolution and it's still evolving. I always like to tell everybody, everything, including our business, everything else, it's it's an evolution. It's not a revolution. So everything takes time. Everything takes a minute to happen. And it's definitely going along that way and you've seen new proteins come to the category. You've seen meat bars come to the category. Some good, some not so good. Most not that good. And you know, I think there's... There's some involvement to happen there that people will perfect it and will get to a better meat bar where it become a meal replacement bar where you'll actually get your, your full amount of protein, your full amount of carbs, your full amount of your full basic meal in a, in a meat bar. And you'll feel good about eating it if we can, if someone in the category can get it dialed in where people will actually you know want it and enjoy it. Um, meat sticks has been a, another one. Meat sticks is about half of the it's about fifty or forty eight percent of the total meat snack category today. And most of the meat sticks on the market are stuff like mechanically separated chicken and ingredients that you look at and you wouldn't want to even feed your dog. So there's a couple of companies, including Chef's Cut, who are launching sticks uh, in 30 days, all natural, low in calories, low in fat, clean ingredients. um, And we're bringing something new to that category also. We're bringing the chicken stick, 100% white meat chicken breast, where our barbecue chicken stick will be uh, well, one-ounce stick, which is a nice 12-inch stick, it'll be uh, 60 calories and one gram of fat, eight grams of protein. So grab and go. It'll be on the run. You'll be jogging, hiking, at your son's soccer game, door to soccer game, dance class, whatever. It's an easy snack. Hands stay clean. It's, it's easy to eat. tastes great. People feel good about that. You know, I'll definitely share, you know, some more insights on, on the meat sticks, you know, four yeah. flavors. It's a barbecue chicken, 100% white meat chicken breast. It's a buffalo chicken, again, 100% white meat chicken breast. Um, both extremely low in calories, low in fat, low in sodium, high in protein. You know, the stick category in general probably averages about 6 grams of protein. We're averaging somewhere between 8 to 10 grams of protein per stick. Um, again, it's a one ounce stick. Um, our calories on the chicken are probably about between 60 and 70 calories. On our other two sticks, we have a jalapeno cheddar, made with real cheddar cheese, real piece of jalapeno. That is a pork and beef blend. Um, Again, low in calories, probably under uh, 120 calories. Low in sodium, again, um, 8 grams of protein. And the original Smokehouse flavor, again, it's a beef and pork blend. It's more pork than beef. I'm sorry, more beef than pork. That's 100 calories and um, 8 grams of protein. Only one sugar and that buffalo chicken has zero sugars. Again, you turn it over, you can read the ingredients, you understand the ingredients, the stuff that you use to feed your family so you feel good about eating
0: Bart also mentioned that the future of meat snacks will include alternative proteins, such as ostrich and elk. This was also echoed by Eugene Kong, who co-founded Country Archer in 2011 and is a notable player in the artisanal meat jerky space. Eugene noted a problem with the alternative protein sources, though, and that's an insufficient access for scalability. Take bison, for example. He said that USDA regulates how many bison can be slaughtered annually, making it difficult for a company to scale a product made from bison. With this in mind, Eugene actually thought that a bigger seller for meat snacks in the future will be claims about the quality of the protein, such as grass-fed, organic, or antibiotic and hormone Free, which Country Archer promotes on its products. Eugene also agreed with Barr's assessment that the meat jerky category will continue to thrive, but that it's time to diversify into other meat snacks. And so Country Archer earlier this year made the move to expand its jerky-focused business into the meat bar sector. Epic is for the
3: meat bar, but that category, as small as it is, it's still growing rapidly, and we think there's tons of opportunities there, from just from synergies across multiple channels, whether it be natural, conventional, or even convenient. And then from that standpoint, when we designed our bars, we decided, you know what, sh- we didn't want to be an me 2 because we're seeing so much iterations in the in companies, major category. So for example, our bars, we said, like, 20 grams of protein, really focus on being a protein bar as opposed to just being a meatball. Like Everyone's going out that Oh, craves coming out of the meat bar. It is coming out of the meat bar. It's like, they all have different combinations of dry fruits or nuts or chia. And we really just want to be focused on a meat-based cafe, I guess. Does that make sense? All meat, all the time. All meat, all the time. Uh, what, what pizza say, uh, more meat, less bowl. So, I like that. Yeah. I want to pull on
1: something you said there, which is... Um you have your meat snack, which is a big category, and right. then you have your protein bars, which is another big category that's been around a long time, and you're really marrying the two. Right. Can you talk a little bit about the consumer base and the opportunities there to pull from different segments of the market? Yeah,
3: absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, um, when we look at consumer groups, so Turkey, we just figured it's a nostalgic snack. So 60% of the categories really kind of convenience channels. We need people who are going on road trips during the summer months, you know, going up to national parks people, you know road trips people are buying jerky so that consumer group was never more defined i think it was guys like Craven came out to be able to define a support group women on the go um people who were doing yoga marathon runners etc we're now looking at jerky and the bar extension more specifically as they pivot to more outdoor and adventurous slash um, cross functional fitness, uh, looking at plethora category, but so mainly the outdoor adventure and cross functional fitness. So, what's great about protein, obviously, is that when people are in cross functional fitness, they need protein to recover. So, we figured the bars were fitting or get pivoted to that so
1: Not only expanding your portfolio, but your consumer base.
3: Right. Right. Pretty much, yeah.
1: I think meat bars are also really interesting because of how they compare it to meat sticks, which is another subcategory we're sort of seeing reinvented.
3: That's correct, yeah.
1: Can you talk about the differences between the two and why you went the meat bar route versus meat stick route?
3: Yeah, you know, I think with meat sticks, um, it's, it's got to be carefully planned and then designed. So, for example, um, some meat sticks don't have the savviness, and it's, it's, it's just a different element to decide a product like that. And because we're a little bit mindful that we have our own equipment, we're, we're, we're very overrated, we wanted to make sure if we were gonna do something in the category, it had to be done right. So from that standpoint, we just didn't feel comfortable with sort of like what what's out there right now to really explore that category, whereas ours don't require a key thing. It doesn't require to be stuffed into a case thing working at different iterations of to see what kind of bike you're getting, etc. With the rebar, also from a merchandising standpoint, we look at it as a more convenient possible channel. You know, the bar category, if you go to your local Target now, you'll see a huge shelf in the grocery section of all these bars, and that has was still growing. And so from a merchandising standpoint, also just from a quality and bike standpoint, we felt like this was a more hopeful or focused bar.
0: Not all meat snacks are soft and chewy. Some are crispy and crunchy, as in the case of chicharrones, or pork rinds. The deep-fried pigskins are another truck-stop staple that is undergoing a renaissance, similar to that of jerky. To learn more about how pork rinds are being repositioned as a protein-packed, paleo-friendly, and sustainable snack, I caught up with Ryan Farr, who founded 4505 Meats, as a whole animal meat company. And he showcased at Natural Products Expo East 4505 Chicharrones, a line of artisanal, chef-driven pork rinds.
4: 4505 Tuturones, 4505 um created in my apartment seven years ago. Uh, i was a chef and a butcher. I've uh, been in restaurants my whole life. Um, and created the, this product out of uh, frustration of having too much weight of the skin. You know, butchering the, the animal, you want to utilize the whole animal, how to waste the skin because there's not so many things you can do for it. So I came up with it. The, our method of making chicharrón. Ours are not created in some sort of like corporate food lab. I, mean, I made these in my kitchen with my kids, and these are things that we want. I want to eat every day. That we want to eat every day. We stand behind them, and you know, it's all about quality and 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 uh, flavor. It's been our our thing forever. I mean, I think we're, we're chef. So we only we could do it one way, and that's the way that's the way we do it.
1: So all these listeners can't try it. Yeah. So if they were going to try it, can you walk us through what that experience would be like? What would happen in their mouth?
4: Uh, well, we call them crispy clouds of pork deliciousness. And so, you know, they're nice, they're, they're crisp, they're crunchy. Um, they're, the texture is, is, is also all of that, but then light at the same time. Um, and it, once you, like, take that, like, the smokehouse barbecue, you bite into that, it's like crunches. And then you get like this really nice kind of sweetness from the tomato and a little bit of uh, smoke from, um, from hickory and you get a little of paprika in there and a little bit of onion and a little bit of garlic. So it's like, but it's really rounded flavor. It's one of the more kind of complex flavors, um, opposed to like our chili and salt or our jalapeno and cheddar. Uh, and it's actually the same barbecue rub that we put on our ribs at our barbecue restaurant in San Francisco. So it's like legit barbecue. Um, and, and uh, so, yeah, you go ahead, and you take that, it's a nice crunch, and probably before you finish chewing, you grab another one in your hand. They're very, like, very uh, addictive, definitely like, you know, pork crack.
0: The addictive crunch of chicharrones is not the only reason that natural shoppers are starting to flock to this emerging category. Ryan says nostalgia also works in the category's favor, as do some of the snack's nutritional properties such as the fact that each half ounce serving has 9 grams of protein, 0 grams of carbs, is gluten free, and is paleo certified. He's hopeful that chicharrones will follow the same path as jerky and expand from seed stores and bars to become a family friendly snack that's sold in natural food stores. In fact, he noted that the future's already here and that you can go to most natural food grocery stores and retailers across America and find either Ryan's product or another version of chicharrones Okay, so switching gears slightly. This idea of all meat all the time is great if you eat meat. But what about those snackers out there who are vegetarians or vegans? Or even flexitarians who want to try something new or are looking for a healthier alternative to meat. Don't fret. Lifelight, the maker of many plant-based alternatives, has you guys covered with the launch of its new Smart Jerky. At Expo East, where the product launched, Brad Larman, director of marketing for Lightlife, explained how Smart Jerky compares to meat jerky. And who the company sees as the primary target?
5: At Lightlife, our big thing is plant-based meat, and we're trying to change the culture of meat to say, you know, you can get your protein from vegetables, you can get it from meat, uh, from animals, but we have, we have plant-based meat. And so when you say meat jerky, for us that falls right into what we're trying to do. But we took a look at the trends in protein. Took a look at the trends in Obviously, animal jerky is through the roof, and there wasn't a good option out there for vegetarians and vegans, and even just healthier snackers. And so we said, okay, you know, let's let's figure that out. And it took a long time to get the texture right and the flavors right, but we're uh, super excited now to finally have it ready to go. It's made out of soy protein, so that's the main ingredient, that's the protein source. I would describe it as you know similar to other animal-based jerky's out there. It has a good two to it. Um, it's not the type of two that's going to break your jaw, but it still has that density and that texture that um, you're really not missing out on anything by having a uh, plant-based jerky. Our target demographic, because of the nature of the product, is first and foremost uh, plant-based eaters, because they don't have a, a current jerky option out there that can, can satisfy them like that. So that's the easy target, you know, bringing them something they just don't have access to. But beyond that, it's that natural snacker who's eating, um, you know, roasted chickpeas or, you know, uh, kale chips, things like that. And I think people are slowly learning that you don't need animal proteins and you don't need all these things. You can, you can just have plant-based foods. Um, so it's really that just healthier snacker.
0: Back on the animal side of the meat snacking trend, the companies I spoke with were optimistic about the future of the category, but they also were tight-lipped on the details, which I guess is understandable given the stiff competition. But as I think about how jerky and meat sticks were repositioned and the unexpected entrance of meat bars, I can't help but wonder if other forgotten traditional American meat snack selections, such as pickled sausage or kippered beefsteak or even nuggets and tenders will see a similar resurgence in the near future i suppose we'll just have to wait and see for that one until then i want to thank everyone for listening and i hope that you'll join me again next week for another episode of food navigator usa's soup to nuts podcast this is elizabeth crawford signing off